This shit a motherfucking layup. I been Steph Curry with the shot. Been cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 33 of Curry in the Pot. Woo! Woo, woo, woo. Today is a very special episode. It is episode number 33, but it is also the 2017-2018 NBA season preview, as well as my first mailbag episode. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm interacting with you guys. So we got the NBA. The NBA is bike. The NBA is back tonight. Give me a hell yeah. So it's back. It's back in full effect. We got a doubleheader on TNT tonight. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. And we have the Golden State Warriors hosting the Houston Rockets tonight. I'm so glad the NBA is back after a very exciting offseason all the way from NBA draft to summer league to free agency to all the big trades that took place. It's finally here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very excited. So without further ado, let's get into these questions that you guys sent me. Um, I just want to thank everybody for being interactive and, and sending me a lot of great questions. I got plenty of questions to go through, so I'm going to get through these questions as fast as possible because I want to answer every question sent to me. So I'm kind of going to be, you know, a little out of order because I got plenty of questions and I just want to, it's a mailbag, so I got to just, you know, say random questions. So it's going to be a little bit out of order, but I got to answer a question about Golden State I got. A few people asked me this and it was like it was like the same question asked you know differently so I was asked to rank the top five biggest threats to Golden State personally obviously you have Cleveland and OKC I guess you could say Boston to an extent and then San Antonio maybe but I don't Outside of Cleveland and OKC, I do not really see any other teams as big threats or big competition to Golden State. Golden State is just too deep. They're just too, they're just too great from top to bottom. And really, it's only Cleveland and you know OKC. Like I said, you know, with the acquisition of Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, you know, those are the only two teams I really see as a threat to Golden State. Next question. With acquiring Carmelo Anthony, can OKC compete with Golden State? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you acquire a guy like Carmelo Anthony after they already acquired Paul George, absolutely. Because if you want to beat Golden State, you're not going to stop them. You have to, you know, try to outscore them. But I like what OKC has done. I like what the general manager, Sam Presti, has done adding Paul George and adding Carmelo Anthony. I think, you know... It'll be a thrilling six-game series in the Western Conference Finals. I'm going to say that. I'm going to keep things random. I'm going to keep it going. Are there any teams in the East that will challenge the Cavs and Celtics? As bad as I want to say yes, I just can't. I just can't. I don't, I don't think that any teams can really challenge Cleveland and Boston. You know, Boston has made some great moves that have put them in a great position and I think they'll lose to Cleveland in six eventually. But they've made some great moves. Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, drafting Jason Tatum, 
great moves, great moves. Nobody else really made any moves. Everybody's been sort of stagnant or getting rid of their players. Jimmy Butler getting traded from Chicago over to Minnesota. You have Paul George getting traded from Indiana over to, you know, the Thunder. You have, who else? Carmelo Anthony getting traded from the Knicks to the Thunder. You have players from the East leaving the East. And then you have, you know, Kyrie Irving leaving the Cavs, going to the Celtics, and D-Wade reaching a bio with the Bulls going to the Cavaliers. So those two teams got significantly better and nobody else has really done anything. The Wizards haven't done anything. Neither have the Raptors. The, no, no team underneath has done anything, which is why I have to say no. That no other teams in the East can compete with Cleveland or Boston. Next question. Did... Not getting Carmelo Anthony hurt the Houston Rockets. Absolutely. Absolutely it did because I'm pretty sure when Chris Paul was traded to the Houston Rockets, he probably thought that a Carmelo Anthony trade to Houston was going to get done. I know Ryan Anderson's name was circulating in a potential deal, but I believe the New York Knicks did not want to take on the remaining three years of his new contract that he signed last offseason. So I think it hurts them a lot because... It was supposed to be them competing with Golden State, and now it's OKC competing with Golden State. Adding Chris Paul does make the Rockets better, and I will answer that in the next question. But did not getting Carmelo Anthony hurt Houston? Absolutely. So I have two questions pertaining to the Wizards, and I'm going to combine the two of them. First question, what moves have the Wizards made this offseason to put them in a better spot or contend this year? And then... Why do the Wizards have the same problems as they did last year? Huh, let me get into this. Well, you see, when the Wizards had an offseason like they did, I mean, they re-signed Otto Porter. They signed Jody Meeks. I'm, I'm boring, y'all. And they signed Mike Scott. How could you possibly compete with the teams that are better than you if you are signing guys like Jody Meeks and Mike Scott and re-signing Otto Porter to a max contract. How? If Jody Meeks or Mike Scott were signed to the Celtics or the Cavs, they would be, let's see, giving Gatorade to LeBron and D-Wade and Kevin Love, clapping their hands with their warm-up suits on the whole time? That's exactly why. The Wizards have the same problems as last year because they haven't invested in a bench. And I hate to say it, but your bench is not going to get it done when Kelly Oubre Jr., who is a player I think has a lot of upside, is your best player coming off the bench. How could you possibly be better or compete with the teams ahead of you if that's who you have on your bench? And to answer the question why the Wizards are the same, is the same thing. They don't have a bench. They have not made any moves to get better. I just don't know. I'm getting ready to combine two more questions. So, this question. Why is the number one pick being criticized and he hasn't even played the game yet? And Markel Fultz coming off the bench. Is it a good move? Let me answer this. Let me answer the first one. Why is the number one pick being criticized? Because people are very impatient. That's all it is. People are very impatient, you know. Everybody that comes into the NBA is not going to be the next LeBron. 
it's just not going to happen. These are generational players, you know. And Markel Fultz coming off the bench, is it a good move to start this season? Yes, absolutely, because here's a guy that got hurt in summer league. He got hurt. You know, he didn't play much in the preseason. So to bring him along slowly is great. I mean, what do the Sixers really have off the bench? They, they could use a score and a playmaker, so Fultz fits the bill for that. And then starting at point guard, you have Ben Simmons, who's 6'10", rumored to be 6'11", 7 feet now, running the show. And Joe MB should be starting. You know, J.J. Reddick, you know, he, he guy, guy's going to make people around him better. And I just feel like people are too impatient. I mean, we all know that most of these guys that come into the NBA are not really NBA ready. They, they're just not. I mean, these guys, one and done, they're just not ready. And I just think people are too impatient. And I think it's a great move for Mark Hill to come off the bench. So, to answer that, yeah. Next question. How long before Knicks fans are regretting passing on Dennis Smith Jr.? Well, it's not really their fans. I mean, it's not really the fans that are regretting it. But how long before the Knicks organization, that awful organization, will be regretting passing on Dennis Smith Jr.? Very soon, as soon as he laces him up. And they'll regret it even more when the Knicks play the Mavericks in Dallas January the 7th. And then when Dennis Smith goes to the Garden in March, in the spring of 2018, March 13, 2018, they're going to regret it. They're going to regret it absolutely, 100%. They're going to regret it real soon because Dennis Smith Jr., here's a guy that I thought played great. You know, he played on a, a horrible NC State team in his long years, in his long season there. And I think the guy's great. I mean, you're seeing his super... You know, his, 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 you know, superhuman athleticism, you know, in pregame dunks. And the guy's just really athletic. He gives me, you know, a young Derrick Rose vibe sometimes. Like, and the Knicks passed up on a guy like that. This is not a knock on, you know, Frank Nalikina, but I don't, he's a relatively unknown guy. And Dennis Smith Jr., if the Knicks would have drafted him, that would have been a big boost. Because I think the guy has a lot of star potential. And, you know, he... I think the guy's going to win Rookie of the Year, but I'll talk more about that later. But the Knicks are going to regret passing on him real soon. I got a Heat fan that wants this question answered. Miami Heat been a top four seed. Is it possible? They finished the season 30-11 and 11 after being 11-30, and 30, having the best second-half record in the league. I don't know about a top four seed, but I do believe the Miami Heat can make the playoffs. Possibly a 6-7 for eighth seed. I think they can make the playoffs. I'll say that. Top four seed, no. Another question, how many games will the Hawks lose? Mm. The Hawks are going to lose about 50 games this year at least. Um, they lost Paul Millsap. year before that, lost Al Horford. Traded Jeff Teague. They still have Dennis Schroeder. I just don't know. I just don't really know. John Collins, I like that. They drafted John Collins. I think that's a good pick. Torian Prince, I, I, I like what he can do. They still have Kim Bazemore. I just don't see this team. I don't see this team making the playoffs. It's kind of strange to not see the Hawks in the playoffs anymore because they seem to always make it, you know, like a fifth seed or so. But I just don't see the Hawks in the playoffs this year. I think they'll lose about 50 games. Which team has the best offseason? Easily OKC. Easily. When you're able to flip. When you're able to flip Victor Oladipo and Sabonis for Paul George. And when you're able to flip. 
Ennis Cantor and Doug McDermott for Carmelo Anthony. You absolutely had the best offseason. I mean, some other teams had good offseasons. The Cavs, the Celtics, they had good offseasons. The Timberwolves, they had a good offseason. You know, the Rockets, they had a good offseason, but it's, it's easily okay. See, the head and shoulders about best offseason. I really want to answer this one. Can Chris Paul and James Harden coexist in the same backcourt? I think so. You've seen evidence of it in the preseason. These guys have been, you know, having workouts with each other all offseason. And a lot of people give Chris Paul a bad rap about how he pounds the ball and, you know, you know, dribbles the ball a lot. But why wouldn't he when your backcourt mate has been J.J. Ruddick early in his career, Mo Peterson? Playing with guys like that, why wouldn't you pound the ball? I would pound the ball. Chris Paul has never played with a backcourt mate with the talent and the superstar ability that James Harden possesses. He never has. And I think Chris Paul will get on James Harden about playing defense, defending. And I think he'll take a little load off of James Harden. I know Chris Paul is a little older. This isn't prime CP3, but it... They, they, Chris Paul has never played with a guy like James Harden. So I think I think they'll work well in the, in the backcourt together. I don't know how good they will be. I don't see them, you know, better than OKC or Golden State, obviously. Maybe not even the Spurs, but they'll definitely be fun to watch. And I truly believe that they can coexist in the backcourt together. Who will be the worst team in the NBA this season? Hmm, it's really tough. I think I definitely the Knicks will be one of the worst teams. They're going to be bad. The Bulls are going to be really bad. They're going to be really bad because we don't know when Zach Levine is going to be 100% to go. They're going to be really bad. I think those two teams are going to be the worst teams in the NBA, but probably the Knicks. It's either the Knicks or the Bulls to me. I think they're going to be really bad. I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be better than people think. The Pacers, they still have, you know, a young promising big and Miles Turner. And they have Victor Oladipo, who isn't a scrub. So I think they'll be bad, but they won't be awful. The Orlando Magic, they're always, you know, a bad team. Um, but I think, you know, the Knicks and the Bulls, they're going to be really awful. More likely to stay together. Harden and CP3? Or the Big 3 and OKC? Hey, that rhyme. <laughs> but... I don't know. This is a tough question. Chris Paul, he has some friends known as LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, the Banana Boat Crew. And I know they all want to play together before their careers are over. And Paul George seems to have this burning desire to go to the Lakers, my Lakers. But who's most likely to stay together? Let's say this, if OKC reaches the Western Conference Finals and they give, let's say the Warriors a scare or something. I don't think they will, but let's say they do. Do I really think Paul George and Carmelo Anthony will pass that up to stay? I don't know. I will have to say most likely to stay together is the big three in OKC because I think Houston, they're going to be good, but I don't know like what they're really going to do. You know, I think they'll get out the first round, but the second round, I don't know. Maybe, I don't even know if they'll get out the first round depending on who they're matched up against. So, I think most likely to stay together would be the big three in OKC. Joel Embiid 
has signed a max extension, five years, 148 million. You guys heard about it. Given his injury history, did Philly do the right thing? You know, I was thinking about this the other day when the deal first got done. I believe it was last week. The guy has only played 31 games, but when he has played, he's been very productive. Did they do the right thing? Yes, because first of all, it's Philly. You know, you haven't done much to begin with in the first place. And this is sort of a gamble you had to take because say he say he stays healthy, you didn't give him the extension, and he walks. I don't think he will, but, you know, because he's been saying trust the process for a long time. So I think I think it was a gamble that they had to take, you know, high risk, you know, high reward. You know, they had to. They had to because he's very talented, obviously, when he's on the floor. I just think they had to take the chance, and they had to take that risk. So I don't think... I think it was the right thing. I don't think they'll regret it. I think it was the right thing to do. I got to answer this question, and I don't want to hear about it ever again after I answer this. Who is the better point guard? Kyrie Irving or John Wall? <sighs> let, me, let me give you all some stats real quick. And he's, it's not to knock Kyrie and say he sucks. I don't think he sucks. I just think John Wall is better. But I'm going to tell you why. In his rookie campaign, Kyrie Irving averaged 18 and 5. Second year, 22 points, 5.9 assists. I say 6. Third year, 20 points, 6 assists. Throughout those three years, Kyrie Irving did not make the playoffs. In his first three years, he failed to lead the Cavaliers to the playoffs. So let's let, let's do this. Let's go here. Let's talk about John Wall. My favorite player in the NBA. And I'm not, not even being biased. I'm about to give you guys straight facts. John Wall is a guy that gets his teammates going. Okay. Let me read you some quick stats for John Wall. Last year, averaged 23 points, 10 assists. Had his best season of his career after coming off double knee surgery. 23 points, 10 assists. The year before, 19 points, 10 assists. The year before, 17 points, 10 assists. I know Kyrie Irving hasn't been a full-time point guard the last three years because he played with LeBron James. I understand that. I get that. But... How many players has John Wall got in max deals? Otto Porter? Just by playing next to him, has gotten max deals. Otto Porter has gotten a max deal. Bradley Beal has gotten a max deal. Garrett Temple is even getting $8 million a year from the Sacramento Kings, and he played with John Wall. This is a guy who makes his teammates better. He's a better defender, a better rebounder, a better passer. The only thing Kyrie Irving does is, you know, dribble better and shoot better. I think they're both phenomenal players. They're obviously two types of players, two types of point guards. And I know people of the generation are just, you know, so obsessed and so fascinated with point guards who score and dribble and all that fancy stuff. But John Wall, he's also taking his team to the playoffs. And he was just one game shy of the Eastern Conference Finals. So... If 
Kyrie Irving hasn't taken a team to the, hasn't led a team to the playoffs. I mean, I'm sure he will now because he's he's on a really good team, really good Boston team with Gordon Hayward and Al Horford. But what about those three years? You know, before LeBron, LeBron, Kyrie Irving didn't even sniff the playoffs. So to answer the question, John Wall is the better point guard. I'm being partially biased, but I'm also giving facts. But now, in his seventh season, Kyrie Irving has a chance to showcase those point guard skills because he's not playing with LeBron anymore. So I'm really excited to see that. Next question. Got another question. This this one is about the Spurs, so let's hop right into it. Here we go. Kawhi is going to miss game time already? Possibly? Is he okay? Will he win MVP? What is your opinion on the forever silent Spurs this season? Shout out to Brandon Myers. We said this a lot of times on the No BS. So Greg Popovich will always win 50 games. And it just seems like he runs, you know, a well-oiled machine. You know, you still have Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge, Tony Parker still there on his way out almost, Manu Ginobili, DeJounte Murray, who I like, Kyle Anderson, you know, Danny Green. The Spurs will win 50 games. Will Kawhi Leonard win MVP? I don't know. That remains to be seen. I believe his name will be in the conversation, though, most definitely, absolutely. My opinion on the Spurs is they'll win 50 games. That's all I got to say. How good will the Sixers do? To answer that question, it remains to be seen. It remains to, to see if their players can stay healthy. Will Ben Simmons play a full season? Will Joel Embiid play more than 30 games? Will he play about 60-plus games, 70 games? How will Markel Fultz be? Will he be healthy? He's He has some concerns. The team can go as far as they can go. They have to stay healthy. They have to stay healthy. I think they will be a playoff team. And I'm trusting the process. But this team has to stay healthy. Because this young core with Simmons, Fultz, Joel Embiid, even Dario Sars, the feds as people call them as their new nickname, they have to stay healthy. That's the only way we'll ever know. How good will they be? I believe they'll make the playoffs win about, uh, I say about 45 to 48 games. I think they can do that. Oh, I'm so excited about this next question. People saying the Lakers won't make the playoffs this year, but have potential in the future. What realistic expectations can Lakers fans have for their team going into this season? Lonzo Ball gonna be for the LA Lakers. Hey, I'm gonna tell you what. Lonzo Ball is gonna take the Lakers to the playoffs his first year. But seriously, I think the Lakers, I think they'll be very fun to watch. I think they'll be very entertaining to say the least. I don't I don't think they'll make the playoffs. If all things go right, they will. I just don't think so. They're just too young. Um, I just don't know. I mean, you got Lonzo Ball. You got Contavious Caldwell Pope. You got Brandon Ingram. You got Julius Randle, Brooke Lopez, Larry Nash Jr., Kyle Kuzma, who I really like. You got Jordan Clarkson, my guy. It's just a lot of questions. This team is so young. I believe Lonzo Ball is going to make the team better. They won, what, 27 games last year? I think a realistic expectation is 35 wins. I think the Lakers can win 35 games. They have tremendous potential going into the future. This season is going to be really telling. And if they show some flashes, I think they'll definitely be able to attract the LeBron James and a Paul George. 
You know, I think I think they're gonna be very fun. I think they're gonna be exciting to watch. Lonzo Ball, he's gonna he's gonna show you guys. You know, he's the real deal. What are my dark horse teams this year besides the Lakers? That's another question. Well, I think the Denver Nuggets adding Paul Millsap. I like Gary Harris. I like Nurkic. Not Nurkic. I'm sorry, Jokic. I like him. He's he's a, a really talented big man who can pass the ball and do you know a lot of things. Like I said, they got Paul Millsap. They drafted Jamal Murray last year. Gary Harris, who I mentioned, Emmanuel Moody, Kenneth Reed, you know, Wilson Chandler. They have some pieces. I think I think they'll be good this year. I think they'll I think they'll make the playoffs, honestly. I, th- I think they'll I think they could be an eighth seed. That's a really that's a uh, really good dark horse team. So I'm gonna say them. Oh yeah, back to my team. <laughs> Projections for Kyle Kuzma. I love Kyle Kuzma. I love him. Um, he's the 27th pick in the draft. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's from Flint, Michigan. He works hard every day. He soaks up knowledge like a sponge. I think the guy's going to be phenomenal. Luke Walton even said no matter what the rotation is, we will try it and we will have to find ways to have Kyle Kuzma on the floor. And I think that is, you know, high praise. And that, that says a lot about the type of player that Luke Walton Sees Kyle Kuzma to be Damian Lillard said the kid is the real deal, you know. Kyle Kuzma projections for him. I think Kyle Kuzma could average about 14 to 16 points a game and average about you know four or five rebounds and you know get you three assists. The guy is good. The guy the guy has a really polished and mature game. And I think those three years at Utah helped him out tremendously. And I think you're gonna see, you know, about 14 to 15 points a game from Kyle Kuzma because the guy the guy's really good. He's really he has a smooth, polished game. You guys are gonna see. You guys are gonna see. Stay tuned. Be ready. Answer another Cavaliers question. D Wade and LeBron back together. Be real. Will Wade's body hold up for the playoffs? It's great to see them back together. You know, everybody knows they're boyfriends, um, best friends. But will Dwayne Wade's body hold up? Yes, because the Cavaliers will find ways to rest them, especially, you know, when Isaiah Thomas comes back in the second half of the season. They still have Derrick Rose. They still have Jay Crowder, J.R. Smith. They have a lot of depth. Cleveland is a really deep team this year. So, will his body hold up? Yes. And is this a cry for help? Well, I don't really, I wouldn't really say cry for help. I just think Dwayne Wade made the absolute best decision for him as a, you know, basketball player. You know what I mean? It was rumored to have it that he was thinking a lot about OKC. Karan Butler said this on TMZ that he had dinner with Dwayne Wade and he was thinking about OKC and needed a veteran score to come off the bench. He thought about that. He thought about the Lakers because obviously his wife Gabrielle Union, the lovely Gabrielle Union, has a you know act- acting career in LA. She lives there, and of course Cleveland get to play with LeBron, your best friend in the NBA. You know, you're kind of returning the favor since he came to Miami. Now you're going to Cleveland to play with him. He's returning a favor almost. I wouldn't say a cry for help. I just believe Dwayne Wade made the best possible move for him. Answer a question about the Celtics. What do I think about this new team? Is going to Hayward going to be a sleeper hero? Kyrie has a lot on his shoulders. Will he be able to do for Boston the same that he did before LeBron and Cleveland? 
Well, if you remember before LeBron came back to Cleveland, Kyrie Irving was a scorer, and he was really young, too. A lot of people forget that. You know, he was 19, 20, 21, you know, and he had a lot of nagging injuries as well. I think you're going to see a new, refreshed Kyrie who's going to average about 26 points a game, 26, 27. I think he's going to be an MVP candidate. Is Gordon Hayward going to be a sleeper hero? To an extent, yes, because Gordon Hayward does everything, you know, you want a player to do. You know, he plays both ends of the floor. He can shoot it. Um... He can even dunk, man. The guy, the guy can, you know, provide a poster, you know, every now and then. Gordon Hayward is a really good player. He's come a long way from his days at Butler, and he's also reunited with Brad Stevens. A lot of people seem to forget that he's reunited with his head coach at Butler, and I think Brad Stevens, he's going to have these guys playing the right way because he, you know, when he first came to Boston, it was more of like a rebuild, but to do what he did with the players that he had, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, you know, Terry Rozier, you know, young players, what he did with those young players, and now he has, like, you know, more of a veteran group now. And I know he has a lot of new players, 11 new players, as a matter of fact. But I think, you know, the Celtics will be just fine, you know, a top two seed in the East very easily. I expect them to do great things. and I expect them, you know, to play good. Ah, I want to answer this question before I end things. Could this be the best draft class since 2003? Absolutely. Markel Fultz was the number one overall pick. The Sixers traded up to get him. He has star potential written all over him. Not saying that because he's from this area in the DMV. Lonzo Ball has the potential. He's, he's the most talked about player to come into the NBA since LeBron James back in 2003. 14 years ago. 14 long years ago. I think he can be great. He's going he's gonna to have the Lakers playing the right way. And he's going to bring the Lakers back to the promised land soon with the help of you know, some, some players hopefully in the next free agency. Jason Tatum, a guy who I said is the mo- is going to be the most, who has the most polished game out of anybody in this class. Jason Tatum, really good player in a great spot with the Celtics. Going to start tonight at Power Forward. Great spot he, with a great coach, great system, great culture. I think the guy can play on any team, but with him going to the Celtics, that's just great. Really good player. And those are the first three picks. Josh Jackson, a guy who's still relatively raw, drafted by the Phoenix Suns out of Kansas. Once the guy gets his shot, he's going to be a monster. He's really athletic, really versatile. He's going to be good. De'Aaron Fox, I like him. He has a lot of comparison to John Wall. Once he gets his jumper down, he'll be great. Sacramento, I think that's a good spot for him. He'll be all right. Sacramento will be all right in the future. Um, also, Dennis Smith Jr. getting selected number nine by the Dallas Mavericks. That's a steal. He's going to be great. He has star potential written all over him as well. Even when you dig deep into this draft, John Collins getting drafted by the Hawks. Very athletic guy. He's going to be a good player. Kyle Kuzma, who I just talked about, getting selected 27, going to be good. Then you also have a bunch of players like Justin Jackson, um, Harry Giles. You know, we got it's just it's a it's a, it's a loaded draft. This was a very loaded draft. Could this be the best class since 2003, or could it be a better class? I think I think it has the potential to be a really good class. I think it could be up there with the 03 class, and I think it will be the best class since 03. But only time will tell. But I think so. So before I end this episode, I'm gonna do predictions for the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and then. I'm going to do, you know, awards. So, Eastern Conference predictions. Top eight. I have Cleveland, Boston, Washington, Toronto, Milwaukee, 
Philadelphia. I think Miami's going to make some noise. I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to be improved. They lost Nicholas Batum. And I think the Nets are not going to be as bad as a lot of people think. So I'm going to just say that. In the West, we got Golden State, obviously. We have Houston. I mean, it's not in any order. I can't really do the West. I'm, I'm going to do it. Let me try that one. So we got Golden State, OKC, Houston, the Spurs. Minnesota, Portland, Denver, and I believe that AC is really going to be up to. I mean, you got the Clippers. I don't. I don't know. I mean, they still have Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. They they, they should be in the mix, but it's going to be really interesting in the West. MVP. This is a hard one. I think LeBron James has a shot, but how many games is he going to rest? LeBron James. Let's say this. LeBron James will always be in the MVP discussion. And he should have more MVPs than he already has. Let's just be honest. He's the most valuable player in the league. Like, just look where he goes. Leaves Cleveland. What happens? They're in the lottery every year. He leaves Miami. What happens? They fall apart. You know, he's always going to be in the discussion. I think Kyrie Irving is going to be up there. Obviously, James Harden and Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard. I don't know. It's really tough to say. I don't know. If I had to say who's going to win MVP... Maybe Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he has a really good shot at it. Um, What else we got? Rookie of the year. Question a lot of people have been asking me. I think it's going to be between three guys. Because they're going to get the opportunity to relish. And, you know, be in the spot to, you know, compete. And I think it's going to be between Ben Simmons, Dennis Smith Jr., and Lonzo Ball. The big ball away. I know the Control. Most improved player, I would say Derrick Rose. Sixth man of the year is going to be fun. I think Kyle Kuzma has a chance. Jamal Crawford in Minnesota, you know, they, they, he's won the award multiple times. Let's see, who else? Still got to think about Eric Gordon. J.R. Smith, possibly. Sixth man is going to be real interesting this year. Defensive player of the year, probably Draymond or Kawhi. Coach of the year, maybe Brad Stevens. I don't know. Executive of the year has to definitely be Sam Presti. Those moves that he pulled off, getting Paul George and Melo. And that's just about it. Um, Predictions for tonight's game, Cleveland and Boston. Um, I'm sure everyone wants to see... What happens when LeBron gets switched on to Kyrie? I, I want to see that. It's going to be fun. going to be exciting. But honestly, this game doesn't really mean a lot. It's going to be a lot of hot takes if Cleveland loses tonight. The Cavs aren't going to the finals. Stuff like that. If Boston loses all, oh, they're overrated. I just want everybody to sit back and enjoy their basketball is back. This is only game one of 82. Let's get real. And that's just about it. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you guys enjoy listening as much as I enjoy, you know, talking and interacting with you guys. Today was a mailbag episode, my first one. If you guys want me to do more episodes like this, I'll be glad to do it. But if you guys just answering questions about anything. But since the NBA is returning tonight, I want to do a special NBA season preview mailbag for you guys. So one last time, I want to thank everybody for listening. This is Mike Curry. Episode number 33 is done. I'm going to have a special guest on the next episode, episode 34, and that is coming tomorrow. Peace, y'all.